It's good to see you guys this morning. And I don't know if anybody besides me enjoyed that, that big yellow ball of fire in the sky this week. I don't know if you recognized it because we hadn't seen it for a while. But it's been nice to have some sunshine. Let things dry out a little bit. Called the sun. Yeah. S-U-N. <laughs> I just want to say, as we know, as, as it was mentioned earlier, next Sunday is Mother's Day, which is an opportunity that we get to uh, honor and bless our moms and, and the ladies in our lives, the, our sisters, and we look forward to that together. And one thing I just found out, it's going to be cool, I had the dates wrong, but uh, I thought it was going to be this Sunday, but uh, many of you remember, uh, probably remember or know Rhonda Madison, who's uh, now serving as a full-time missionary in Uganda. She's from Stillwater, lived here for many years, teach, she teached, <laughs> yes, she taught. <laughs> Glad she didn't hear that. But she taught uh, in the public schools for 20-something years, and she retired from there, answered God's call to go to Uganda. Well, she's going to be home uh, for a couple of weeks, a little break, and she's going to be here next Sunday, and she's going to give us an update um, on what God is doing with and through her and over there in Uganda. And I thought it was very fitting for her to be able to share on Mother's Day, her being a mom herself. Uh, so you won't want to miss that, that Rhonda Madison will be with us to share what God's doing. Let's go ahead and pray. I need to calm down because I'm excited. I get to preach today, so I'm excited. I just need to calm down so I can, I can do this. So Lord, we do thank you that you're so good. We're so grateful to you. And just as Caleb was saying earlier, we're so thankful for the freedom that we have here in America to serve and to honor and, and to worship you freely, that we don't have to hide. And, and Lord, whether something changes in our nation in the near future or the far future where we don't have these freedoms, we're not concerned about that right now. But right now, we just thank you for the freedom we do have. And we do choose to take advantage, full advantage of the freedoms that you've blessed us with, the freedoms that our men and women have fought to protect and we thank you for that. And Lord, while we have this freedom, we're going to use it to the advantage of the kingdom, your kingdom, to love on people, to share the gospel with people, to celebrate you. And I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that you are going to encourage, you're going to bless, you're going to challenge, you're going to motivate and minister to us through your word today. And we give you that opportunity. We open our hearts. And we say, Father, my heart is fertile soil. You can plant your word and it will bear fruit. Because I choose to be a doer of the word and not just a, a hearer and an agreeer with, but I choose to be a doer of your word. So Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. You know, one of these days I'm going to get you guys to help me preach. And what I mean by that is, you don't have to just sit there and be quiet and nod. But you are welcome. If you hear something that you agree with, you can say something. Okay? Now, see, if I was in a black church, I wouldn't have to say this. I'm just being real. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so y'all feel free to help me today, okay? All right, there we go. All right. 
All right. All right. Well, you know, um, years ago when I had my first kid. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are a mess. You guys. All right. Years ago, I had my first child. Lisa actually had our first child. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest about this, okay? There was no miracle like you guys are thinking like that. But anyway, we, when we had our first kid, I didn't realize that I had anger issues until the, he came. You know, I was laid back, very easygoing, and didn't hardly have any anger, anger issues that I knew of until this little bundle of joy decided to, to come and be a part of my life. <clears throat> you know, and, and through lack of sleep, many buttons were pushed that I didn't know I had. Now, I know some of you parents know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so Trey came along, and he cried a lot, you know, very colicky or, or whatever the, the case was. And, and so I started experiencing anger like I never had before. And you know, when Trey was younger, out of between two and four, he was very afraid, terrified of water. Remember that? Terrified of water. Didn't want it to get in his face. You know, giving him a bath and everything was a challenge because if he got it in his face, he would just freak out and everything. And I can't remember how old he was, two, three, or four, um, but he was terrified of water. And, you know, one day I came home, and it was just one of those days. It's one of those days. And at one point, Trey is standing in the middle of the floor in the living room, and he's just screaming. I mean, screaming. And it's kind of the, you know, the kind of cry that kids do when they're throwing a fit. You know, it was that volume, that intensity. He was screaming. And it's like, man. And so the last thing I wanted to do was I have to deal with that. I come home tired, and I didn't want to have to deal with the situation. You know what I did? I grabbed him, took him into the kitchen, and began to spray water in his face. You know those sprayers, those dishwater, you know you wash dishes with? Grab one of those and just begin to spray water in his face. And guess what? He didn't stop, stop crying. I know. He didn't stop crying. Matter of fact, he went ballistic. And you know, Lisa was standing there. But she knew better not to stop me because it would have made the situation a lot worse. I'm going to read out of John chapter 13, verse 34, 35. We'll get back to that story in a moment, which is a true story, by the way. Didn't make it up. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said, this is an NLT. So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. So here's a new commandment he just gave, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. How many of us have heard that verse before? You know, by this will the world know that you are my disciples, that you belong to me. And I've been thinking about that. What does that look like? That the world will look at us as Christians and say, oh, you're one of, you belong to Jesus. The way you guys love each other, yeah, you got to be one of his. 
What does that look like? Because many of us have quoted that verse. We've probably all heard it. But my question is, what does it look like for people to see the way we're doing something and it marks us as belonging to Jesus? Is it that we, we, we come together and we, we grab hands and stand in a circle and sing spiritual songs? And it's like, wow, look how they sing so wonderfully together. Or is it how we greet people so wonderfully when they come and visit on Sunday mornings? And we make them feel wonderful. We make them feel welcome. I mean, that's good. But what is it that's going to cause the world to look at us and recognize that we belong to Jesus? That's what I want to talk about today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. says, now these are the... Christ, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up. Everyone say mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature. Everybody say immature. Immature. We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be be influenced when people try to trick us with these lies, with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Everybody say speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Now, would you agree with me that right there when it's saying each part, would you agree that that's talking about people, talking about people in the body of Christ, right? So when each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. As each part does its own special work. So as each person in the body of Christ, in a local body, does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. As you do your part, you help the other parts grow. As you do what you're called to do, you help other Christians grow. Does that make sense? So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Full of love. So what does it look like? What are people going to see and recognize in us that's going to identify as followers of Jesus? I believe it's living by biblical principles that will protect and build our relationships and build up each other. I believe they're going to see us loving in such a way that's not common in the world. You know, there's things that if we would follow simple, not necessarily easy, but simple biblical relationship principles, we will stick out, not like a sore thumb, but a wonderful thumb. People will look at us and say, man, that's different, how you're treating each other. And they're not, it's not complex, it's not complicated. We at New Covenant Fellowship want to establish and build a strong family of belonging for all who want to be a part. And that has to be protected. But not by keeping certain people out. When you have a family of people, which we are, 
And you want to build a strong atmosphere of acceptance, of belonging, that atmosphere has to be protected by those things that would tear it apart. Would you agree with that? And it's, protect, it's protected not by keeping certain people out. See, we think, well, if we keep certain people out, then we'll be good. But it really has nothing to do with the people we keep out. It's how we treat the people that are already in. And when we learn to treat each other, biblically, we're going to shine like crazy. And you know, Jesus didn't even say how you love the world is going to get their attention. He said how you love each other. How you love each other. That's what I want to talk about today. You know, there's the warm, fuzzy honeymoon phase of relationship in the church. And you know what I mean by that is when, when you're new to the church, new people come in, the music is amazing, the preaching, the preaching is just awesome, because Lisa happens to be preaching. And, and people come and, and they're like, man, this is wonderful. I love this church. I know God has called me here. He has called me here. This is where he wants me to land. People are nice to you. The, the pre-service snacks are amazing, home-baked stuff. People greet you and, and welcome you wonderfully. And it's like, I've arrived. I'm experiencing heaven on earth. Everything is good for a while, that honeymoon phase. But then things start to go south because if, if you're in relationship with another person, as long as you stay by yourself, you're not going to have any problems with people. As long as you stay by yourself, you're not going to have problems with people. But as soon as you get in relationship with people, then things will, not maybe, not possibly, things will go sideways. Am I telling the truth? You're not helping me enough. Come on, people. Come on, Chris. It's just a matter of time. When you get in relationship, things will go south. They will get sideways. You'll, you'll have disagreements. And that moment, when that happens, and see, it's not the relationship going sideways. It's not the incident or whatever happens. That's not the sin. That's not the issue. It's how you deal with it is the issue. And a lot of times when things go south, you know, someone offends you, someone treats you wrong, or you, or you perceive they treated you wrong, or whatever the case Maybe they looked at you funny or they said it. Maybe they said something mean. A lot of times people in those situations, all of a sudden they feel called to go somewhere else. All of a sudden God calls them to go to another church. I'm amazed at how quick the calling changes. <laughs> On week one, they were called to New Covenant Fellowship. On week 10, because they got offended, but not going to say that, they're called to go down the street. And so we, we, it's like we, we want to spiritualize our dysfunction. Instead of dealing with the situation, dealing with the brother or sister in a biblical, relational way, we move on down the road. Because, man, this church had some problems. Because the way that lady looked at me or the way that guy talked to me, huh, I'm going somewhere else. And, of course, you're going to land at the perfect church. Of course. 
So what do you do when things go sideways? Do you realize that the kingdom is built on relationships? And our church family is built on relationships. Every church family should be, is really, based on relationship. And I've realized, you know, Pastor Dale, you've heard me say this before, and you're going to hear me say it again and again and again, but years ago when Pastor Dale was still head pastor here, we would have our elders meetings, and we'd be talking, and, and he had come back from China. And he said, he said, you know, brothers, the Lord showed me that relationship is everything. And all of us would say, amen. That, that's awesome, amen. We kind of look at each other. And then move on. Because we didn't know what to do with that. We know relationship is everything. We would all agree relationship is everything. But a lot of us don't know what to do with that. What's the practical side of relationship in the kingdom? And we as a body, I believe what Dale was giving was a prophetic declaration of the direction that the Lord was leading this church. Relationship is everything. Want me to prove it? Okay, I will. Love the Lord your God with all. And, matter of fact, he said the whole thing is wrapped up in the two things. Love the Lord your God with everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself. Two relationships or two types of relationship. That's everything. That's the whole kingdom, Jesus said. That's everything right there. So everything is about relationship. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, the NLT, it says, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Now, I find this list interesting. Six things the Lord hates, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes or prideful eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person, I thought this was interesting, the last one wasn't murder, it wasn't anything like that. The last one is a person who sows discord in a family. A person who, dis, who sows discord. Who sows discord. That's on the list of the seven things that the Lord detests. And if you look at all these other things, Lying tongue, haughty eyes, hands that kill the innocent, heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, false witness, pouring out lies. The person who did so is discord. That, all that stuff has to do with relationship as well. And so we have to protect our family. That's us. Not by being suspicious of people, but by operating in biblical relational principles. So there are four principles you must commit to to build and maintain a strong family, a strong, healthy family. Now, I'm sure there's a whole bunch more, but we're going to talk about four today. That's all I can think of. Just kidding. Number one, and what I mean by this, I'm not going to share four principles that you're going to agree with because you're all going to agree with them. I'm talking about we commit to these four principles, and we will have an extremely healthy, extremely safe, Extremely powerful and strong family unit here at NCF. And people will look at us and gawk at us and say, now those are Christians right there. 
Now, this is actually, it's not, I'm not going to be bringing out any new revelation. It's not new stuff. Actually, we should all be doing this. Unfortunately, we're not. You would be amazed if I told you how many people tell me that they're called here by God. And within a very short time, they're called to go somewhere else. See, that sounds funny to you, but it happens more than you can imagine. And the reason why they leave is because they got offended. They got their feelings hurt or something. Something happened in a relationship. Something went crossways and they took off. So number one, hearing both sides of a story or hearing all the facts before drawing a conclusion. That one right there will just change almost everything. You know, Proverbs 18, 13 says, excuse me, Proverbs 18, 17 says, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. And the second one, Proverbs 18, 13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Spouting off before listening to the facts is stupid. How many parents have had this situation happen? You're sitting there watching TV, minding your own business. And all of a sudden, one of your beautiful little precious kids comes out. You know, maybe blood coming out of his eyeball or something. And he's just like, Wah! and he's, he or she's screaming up a storm. I mean, just screaming. And they got a, maybe a welt on their head. Maybe their lip is puffed up or something. And they're just, Wah! and first of all, you're irritated because they're interrupting your show. That's the, that's the big tragedy right there. Especially if it's a football game. Never mind. Just kidding. Just kidding. So, <laughs> so your little tight comes and they're all bloodied or beat up. And you look at them and say, like, what happened to you? And what do they say? So-and-so hit me. And what do we typically do? They did what? You know, you start turning green, your clothes start, you know. And you go stomping in the room. And, and whichever sibling is the guilty party, you commence to minister to them. You know, laying on of hands kind of ministry. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, you know, whatever the case is, yelling, screaming, all that kind of stuff. And then, whether it's then or later, you find out what happened. So you reacted and you commenced to you know, they did what? They hit you, whatever, and you go take care of the situation. And then you find out what happened. That the, the one who's here, little Miss, Mr. or Mrs. Innocent with the bloody lip, you find out that they went into the room while Johnny was minding his own business and hit him upside the head with a wiffle bat. Wiffle bat. <laughs> Bap! And then this person retaliated. And then he comes out with the bloody lip telling mommy and daddy. And then we react and we minister to the other person. I remember how many times. And in that situation, would you agree that you were duped? You hear one side of a situation and you get duped because you react. I don't know how many times as a youth pastor, me and Lisa got duped by these precious, perfect teenage kids. And what I mean by that... What I mean by that is they would tell us, because not all of their kid, not all of their parents went to church here. And so some of them, we didn't know their parents. 
And, and, the, and little Johnny or Susie, whatever, to tell us how horrible their parents are. How horrible. Because they're grounded. They don't get their, well, they won't sell cell phones back in that day. But they didn't get whatever. And we're just thinking, man, your mom's mean. Dang, that girl. And we would just be, you know, oh, here's another Kleenex, honey. Oh, you know, we'll just be just sucking this in, hook, line, and sinker. And then we happen to meet the parents. And then we hear the rest of the story. <laughs> and then you want to go slap little Susie and Johnny upside the head because you realize you were duped. It's like, and what they did and what happens, what people do is they tell you their side of the story. The Bible is clear. It says, before you react, before you pass judgment, hear both sides. There are two sides. There are two sides. Now, when, when little Johnny came out with the bloody lip and told you, you know, what happened? So-and-so hit me. He wasn't lying, was he? He wasn't lying. I mean, he told the truth. So-and-so hit him. But we're only reacting. We're reacting to part of, this, part of, the, of the truth. We need to find out all the facts before we pass judgment. I mean, your very best friend comes and tells you a circumstance, a situation that happened maybe between him or her and another person. Their intention isn't necessarily, all the time, is, is to lie about a person or whatever, but they're going to tell you their side of the story. But you have to know. You have to put this in your head and lock it there and know that there is another side. Even when Lisa and I talk now, and I'm telling her about a situation or whatever, and I said, now we know there's, there is another side, but here's the only side that I've heard so far. You have to know there's another side. And if you pass judgment, if you come to an opinion before you hear all the facts, that's foolish. And there will be some negative consequences. Whether you begin to perceive that person in a negative light, or you begin to, did you hear what so-and-so did? And so the first principle, if we would get this one down, man, we'd have a revival in this place. Hearing both sides. We need to commit to hearing both sides or hearing all the facts before we come to any conclusions. Amen? Amen. You know, when, when I had that, that situation with Trey, when he was in the living room and, and um, I snatched him up. You know, I shared that story in, well, once I shared it years ago here at New Covenant. And it was not too long after it actually happened. I didn't realize I was setting myself in a dangerous situation because we had a lady in our midst who worked for DHS. I was about to get my butt snatched up and (laughs) she told me afterwards, she goes, man, I was about to turn you in. And I remember about three years ago, I shared this same illustration, this story in Canada. And I asked them, after I shared the story, I said, now those people didn't know me. And, um, I said, how, do you, how, would, how did you feel about me as a dad in that situation? And man, they let me have it. They let me have it. And I remember one guy says, you're a coward. And I could sense the dude wanted to fight. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I could feel the aggression. He was like, you, I can't believe you did that to your little boy. Man, we need to meet outside. I mean, he was, people were, were I was feeling the hostility in the house. How many, how many of you, well, let me say this. 
What I told you was true. That's exactly what happened. However, let me share a couple of things that I failed to uh, not tell you the first time. Trey was standing in the middle of the living room screaming. He had just sprayed Windex in his eyeballs. He found a bottle of Windex. I think it was Windex or something. And he, and he you know, playing with it and right in his eyes. And then so Lisa, so I come home and he's screaming and Lisa's on the phone. She calls poison control. And they said, get as much water in his eyes as quick as possible. Okay, so, so now we're going to take a few moments so y'all can repent. All those evil thoughts you had a few moments ago. So I was following the instructions of this person on the line to help my son, right? Now, when I, so when you heard that information, your thoughts towards me changed, didn't they? They better have. <laughs> but now some of you know, have known me long enough to know, okay, you, you try, you're setting us up. Some of you know, you know me. But the interesting thing was, see how easy it is to form an opinion. All you've heard was a story, parts of it, and you formed an opinion. And then you heard more parts to it, and your opinion changed. Your mind changed. So that's, that shows you the importance of information. Getting all the facts. If we don't get all the facts, we are going to come to the wrong conclusion, and it is going to be devastating to relationships. Amen? And Trey's fine, by the way. He's, I talked to him the other day. Hey, you son, you still good? Have you forgiven me for spraying that water in your eyes? Tell him he's getting married. I'm not telling him he's getting married. They can read it on Facebook. Oh, yeah, Trey's getting married. Are we good? All right, so that's the first one. Number two, do not give your ear to gossip. <laughs> See, start designing those t-shirts, Amy. You know, Proverbs 18.8 says, rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Rumors. I think another translation that says gossip is like dainty morsels. That seek deep, in, deep into one, someone's heart. Why is, why is uh, you know, there's a bunch of verses. Actually, let me read through these verses real quick. Read through some of them. Proverbs 16, 28, it says, A troublemaker, excuse me, yeah. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Proverbs 26, 20, Fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. And there's, a, there's quite a few verses in the, in the New and Old Testament dealing with gossip. Talking about how devastating and how damaging it is. But why is gossip so prevalent? I was thinking about this. Why is it so prevalent? It, it, it says it's like a dainty morsel that goes deep within your soul. Like a, when I think of a dainty morsel... I can equate that to like a hot out of the oven chocolate chip cookie. You know, you, you've had a wonderful meal and you let the food settle for a little bit 
And now you have that, that craving and that hunger for something sweet begins to rise up in you, right? And then, <laughs> now you're helping me. <laughs> and all of a sudden you smell like, hmm, Lisa, what is that? Oh, I'm just making some chocolate chip cookies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And all of a sudden they come out of the oven. And I'm not like some people that wait for them to cool off. Forget that. I mean, I get that ice cold milk and I get those chocolate chip cookies. And man, I begin to minister to myself. And you know, because if you're really full, not full, but full, yeah, okay. If you're full, like if you've just eaten a big dinner, that's not going to be as appealing, right? But when, you, when the food is settled and you're just a little bit hungry, it just really satisfies. Just satisfies. In the Bible, it, it compares gossip like that. It just, it's just something to it that just satisfies and we can become addicted to it. And we just want to hear it, you know, gossip, juicy gossip. I mean, I don't know. You remember, is, do they still sell that paper called the National Enquirer? When I was a little kid, my mom used to buy that paper. I mean, that's how long it's been selling. And I don't know how many they sell, but I'm sure they sell a lot. And it's stupid stuff on the front, you know. But it sells. And it's gossip about these actors or actresses, the president, the, these famous people, it's gossip, gossip, slander, slander, all that kind of stuff. And people buy it off the, off the racks. There's something to it. And the Bible keeps encouraging us and challenging us not to participate in gossip. You know, my prayer is, and it's something, one, that, that I've even fallen into, I've slipped into, I've shared some things, and it could be, quali- it could be classified as gossip. It's easy to fall into. And you know, when we're doing it, Oh, but I'm not gossiping. You know, when we're doing it, it's not gossip. When somebody else is doing it, it's gossip, right? If we would, if we would, oh, my prayer is that anyone gossips in this family, they feel very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable, not judged, not condemned, but very uncomfortable. Because when maybe they try to come to you with gossip and the way you respond <clears throat> in a way of grace and say, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about, about Sally. Let, let's just pray for her right now. Father, we just pray for Sally. And we just pray your blessing on her. Help her in and, and the challenging time she's going through or whatever. In other words, you turn that situation around where it's not you're putting down Sally. You're not slandering her, but you're building her up. Or whatever you do, that this place isn't a place where, where gossip just flows freely because we all want to hear it, we want to receive it, and we all want to participate in it. And imagine, imagine, and I'm, I'm speaking to all of us. I'm speaking to every single one of us, including myself. Imagine the kind of environment, the kind of safe environment this place would be if that stopped. Or every time we slipped into it, oh, man, I was gossiping. We repented. Father, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me for gossiping, for saying those things about, about Sally or Susie or whatever? And we allow and we invite the Holy Spirit to convict us. <clears throat> Sometimes we can find ourselves in one of those gossip prayer meetings. Oh, girl, let me tell you, we need to pray for so-and-so. Why do we need to pray for so Let me tell you why we need to pray for so-and-so. 
And we give, begin to give them the lowdown on so-and-so. And, ooh, really? Let me tell you what else happened. And instead of a prayer time, it's a, it's a full-blown gossip session. Okay, number three. <clears throat> so number one is hearing both sides or hearing all the facts. Number two is do not give your ear to gossip. Number three, give people the benefit of the doubt, believing the best about them, believing they're innocent until proven otherwise. You know, we, some of us, because of, you know, we talk about, you've heard many, many lessons or many, many sermons, read many books on forgiveness, right? And we all agree forgiveness is important. It's something we need to do. We need to practice. If you do not if you have bad dealings with people and you do not learn how to forgive and, and, and really, because I've talked to so many people who tell me how they've been hurt by this person. I'm like, wow, that's, that, that's pretty bad. I mean, the, the, what happened to them, what they shared was pretty bad. And it's like, man, have you been able to forgive that person? Or they volunteer, yeah, I've forgiven them. It's like, brother, no, you haven't. <laughs> with the detail and the pain that you just shared that with me, I don't think so. I still see that you're, you're still hurting. A lot of times, we, because we know that forgiveness is the thing we're supposed to do, we're quick to say, oh, yeah, I for, I've forgiven them, but let me tell you what they did to me. I've forgiven them, but let me tell you. I've forgiven them, but let me tell you what they did. And so what happens is, is when we, we begin to, when people have hurt us and we don't, we don't learn how to deal with it in a healthy way, what happens is we begin to be suspicious of people. We begin to have trust issues, right? We've all heard of that, trust issues. So then what happens when a new person comes on the scene, you immediately put up your suspicion radar. You turn on your discernment. Ooh, I discern that person's got issues because I am prophetic, by the way. <laughs> I am prophetic. I've operated in words of knowledge before, so I know what that person's about. Speaking of prophetic, I've, I've seen people in the past who were very prophetic, had a strong prophetic gift, but bitterness got into their soul. I mean, in their soul. And you could tell by being around that person or those people that they were bitter. And they even shared. You knew why they were bitter. And, and I, th- I find it amazing what happens to their prophetic gift. Suspicion. And they think they're operating in, operating in discernment. And the things that they think they're hearing from God. And they begin to say, you know, the Lord's showing me this. The Lord's telling me this. I've seen some dev- devastating consequences or devastating things of, in people's lives who love Jesus. I'm not going through this too long, but I just want to share this. They love Jesus. They get bitter. And, and people like that, prophetic, they're very sensitive to the, to the Holy Spirit, spirit realm. They get bitter. And then what happens is they're not hearing Holy Spirit any longer. They're hearing a deceptive spirit. And they don't know it. They don't know. They become deceived. We've seen some crazy stuff happen up in this place with people who have walked in deception. It's like, what the heck has happened? I've seen it happen so many times, three times that I can think of, that it's like, man. And the, the root problem is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. You know, the Bible says that do not let the sun go down on your anger 
lest you give the devil a place. You give him a foothold. And see, and he doesn't just stop at this little bitty foothold. He's going to take as much. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's going to take as much as he can. And he's a deceiver. So he doesn't let you know, hey, I'm here. I'm messing with you. I'm, I'm wreaking havoc in your life. So you don't even realize it. So I want to encourage you to give people the benefit of the doubt and believe the best about each other. If we would walk in that, we would give each other the benefit of the doubt. Then what happens is when someone comes and tells you, do you know what, what Chuck did? Now, if I'm looking at Chuck through, through eyes of suspicion, then guess what's going to happen? When they want to tell me what Chuck did, then I'm going to buy into it, right? Because I'm already suspicious of him. And then what they're going to tell me is going to confirm my suspicion. I'm going to say, you know what? I knew he was a crook. I knew he was whatever. See, we're, we're friends, so he knows. <laughs> but, but listen, that's how things happen. If I'm already suspicious of somebody, all it takes is someone to come and confirm that suspicion because my antenna is going to be up looking for confirmation. And then so I'm, I'm open to gossip, I'm open to slander, I'm open to, what did you say about Chuck again? Mm-hmm, I knew it, I knew it. I'm not going to even wait to hear the other side because I know the truth. However, if I give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm assuming he's good and he has good intentions, not perfect, but has good intentions, then when someone comes with the slander or whatever, man, did you hear about Chuck? My whole response and my reaction is going to be different. First, it's like, mm, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that. And also, since I'm holding good, him in a good place in my heart, then I'm going to want to find out the truth and not just assume the truth. I'm going to say, hey, Chuck, man, what's going on? Did, is this true? Like, what are you talking about? You know, such and such. No, that's not true. Hmm. I mean, imagine we follow these principles, imagine the safe atmosphere we'll have here versus suspicion. So give people the benefit of the doubt, believe in the best about them, believe they're innocent until proven otherwise. And number four, talk to any person that you may have real or perceived conflict with. Be willing, make a commitment that if all of a sudden everything's good and all of a sudden there's someone in the family that you have conflict with or you perceive or you think, hmm, is Arthur upset with me? <laughs> if, you know, if I'm, let's, say, let's say maybe he, he looked at me and I, uh, I interpreted the way he looked at me and I'm thinking he's upset with me or whatever. If I'm committed to relationship, what am I going to do? Say, Amy, you know what? You see, Arthur looked at me funny. He hurt my feelings. You know, in other words, I go to her and start to say negative things about him. See, that's not commitment to relationship. If I'm committed to the relationship, and I'm, I don't know for sure, but what I'm going to do to make sure that there's nothing wrong, or if there is something wrong, I'm going to take care of it, I'm going to go talk to Arthur, Arthur and say, hey, Arthur, are we good? Is everything okay? Is there 
you know, anything we need to talk about or whatever. In other words, give him the opportunity to, let's see where our relationship is. See, that's maturity. And remember earlier in the, in the verse we talked about, the passage we talked about, God's wanting us to grow up into maturity, right? And then we work together. We help each other. We build each other up. And we speak the truth in love. So we need to commit that I'm going to talk to any person that I may have real or perceived conflict with. I'm not going to run from or avoid the problem, but I'm going to run to it. And see, that's why so many people get called to another church all of a sudden. Because they're, they're in conflict. They don't want to deal with it. Nobody, well, I'm not going to say nobody, because I do know people that do like conflict. But most people <laughs> don't like conflict. I mean, we, we hate it. We'll do anything to avoid it. And I want to do anything to avoid it, but if it means violating God's word to avoid conflict, that is sin. But see, too many of us, we, we serve the God of comfort. And so if something, if the right thing is not comfortable, then I ain't doing it. And then what happens, am I more committed to you or am I more committed to my comfort? If I'm more committed to me, then we're not going to have a good relationship. It'll be good as long as we're good. But as soon as something goes sideways, I'm committed to my comfort, then our relationship's going to suffer. You hearing me? You with me? So those four things, hearing both sides or hearing all the information, the facts before drawing a conclusion, not giving your ear to gossip, giving people the benefit of the doubt, believing the best about each other, and being committed to talking to people when you perceive there might be some, some conflict. Let's read a few thoughts. Many people walk in immaturity when it comes to these situations by not doing the biblical thing because we want to avoid conflict at all costs. Walking in love means being willing to walk in perceived conflict in order to, reserve, to preserve, protect the relationship. See, when we're walking in this kind of stuff, now... We don't want to become conflict police. We're going around looking for conflict. Ooh, conflict. Okay, it's time to work through this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about let's, let's walk in love. Let's enjoy life. Let's pursue adventures for the kingdom together with each other. Let's have a great time. Let's get to know each other. And when something happens, that's when we're committed to working through the process. You know, it's, it's amazing. There are people in our church that we've had to work through some conflict. And because, you know, I, I think of different people that it just, it makes me want to tear up sometimes because they chose to do the uncomfortable thing and say, man, we got to get this worked out. In so many words, they stayed and we worked through the conflict and now our relationship is that much stronger. Whereas most people leave. They leave. How are we going to grow up in Christ if I'm leaving every time there's conflict? Because what will happen either, I will keep bouncing around until I find a place with no conflict, which isn't going to happen on this side of heaven. Or I just get fed up with everybody and I isolate myself. I isolate myself and then become, I become prey to the enemy. If someone comes to you with gossip or a complaint about another person, 
particularly even a leader, encourage them to go to that person or leader to try to get the situation resolved. Even offer to go with them to talk to that person. If, people come, if someone comes to you and says, man, did you hear what, what Todd said or did or what Lisa or CJ or, or whoever, any leader or just another person, and it may sound pretty serious, a serious grievance, help them get that worked out. Encourage them or say, hey, I know this is pretty scary, but I'll come with you. Let's, let's go talk to Todd. Let's go talk to CJ. Let's go figure out what's going on. And let's try to encourage each other. And see, when you offer that, then their motives get exposed. Because if they're really wanting to get it worked out, they're, they're hurt, they're stuck, they don't know what to do, and they want to get it worked out, then it's like, okay, I'll, I'll do that, but I'm scared. And they move into that situation. That means they, they're committed to relationship. But if they're like, I ain't going to sit down with them and get things worked out, then, then, they, then they just came to you for the sake of slandering that person. They had no intention of getting the relationship right. They just wanted to, they just wanted to fill you up with evil, and evil thoughts towards that person. And remember that list? The things that God hates? A brother who spreads strife in families. I submit to you that violating any one of those four would make me a person who's trying to spread strife. have a lot more I could say, but I'll say it for another time. I am really excited about what God has been doing in this church, and he is doing, and he's going to do. And the main reason why I'm excited is because I perceive and I feel and I've even experienced that this church is committed to relationship. I know the leaders that we have that I get to serve with, they are committed to relationship. So when something goes sideways, we're not afraid to deal with stuff. We don't like it, but we're not afraid to deal with it because, see, if I have to approach you because of a, something's going wrong, it's, I'm not excited about approaching you or having to confront you or whatever because for the sake of confrontation. I'm excited to approach you and deal with that situation because what's going to come on the other side of that confrontation. Our relationship's going to be stronger and we're going to be better. You know, Jesus didn't, he wasn't excited about the cross but he was excited about what was on the other side of that cross. So when you have to deal with a situation, don't look at the situation. Look at what's on the other side of that situation. Now, obviously, the person you talk to or whatever, they have to choose to want to talk with you or whatever because they can run away. And unfortunately, that's what happens too often. But that's not who we are. That's not who we are. And because we are committed to relationship, we are committed to relational biblical principles, we are going to be the kind of family that God can entrust hurting people to. We're going to be the kind of family that people can come to and feel safe and be in an environment where they open up their hearts and and healing is able to be ushered in because they trust you. Because if I don't trust you, then my heart's going to stay closed and healing can't come in. And I get excited about you people and what God's going to be able to do because we are committed to relationship. Let's stand together.
So giving people the benefit of the doubt, no gossiping, listen to all the facts, and being committed to working through the relationship, those four things. Right now, I just want to give you an opportunity to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. And if there's any particular one or two or three or four, all of them, whatever, that maybe he's putting his finger on, maybe there's a situation that you've been neglecting or ignoring or, or whatever now, I want to encourage you. One, I can tell you there's so much freedom when we honor the Lord and obey him in his principles and his word. There's so much freedom. I just want to encourage you to allow him to have his way. And if he's convicting you of something, respond. If there's a situation that you feel like you need to deal with, understand that you don't have to do it by yourself. There are those of us here who would be more than, I'm not going to say happy, (laughs) but we'd be willing to walk with you and, and help in any way we can, to serve you in any way we can. So just give him a few moments to allow him to talk to you right now. So, Father, we thank you that you don't just tell us what to do. You don't just show us in your word what to do, but you give us the power and the ability to do it. So we thank you. We embrace your grace. And, Lord, we say yes to you. That fear thing that you were dealing with earlier, we say thank you, Father, that we get to walk in freedom from fear. We get to walk in relationship with our brothers and sisters. And that's what we're choosing, Father. We're choosing relationship. We're choosing relationship with you and each other. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you're doing. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just speak your blessing on every person here, every family represented. I thank you for them. I just thank you for their commitment to you, the gifts and the callings that are in their lives, that we all get to benefit from that. I just speak peace, blessing. The students that are doing finals and tests and all that and graduating, speak peace over them. All the students who are taking finals this week, bless them, Father. We just thank you, Lord. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The quote was, um, small minds discuss um, people, average minds discuss events, and great minds discuss ideas. That's it.